Hey y'all, welcome to Ain't No Such Thing, where we tell original southern horror stories. My name is Amanda, and I've got a little Christmas treat for you right now. Santa's Workshop Larry Van Camp never did one worthwhile thing in his entire life. No diploma, no career, no relationship. Nothing but a revolving strand of odd jobs held over from his glory days at the A.V. Club at St. Paul's Episcopal. Yeah, that was a private school, among the best that Mobile, Alabama had to offer in those early years of the 1970s, but only one of many squandered advantages that Larry boasted. He ran projectors at local movie theaters five or six nights each week, rotating between the Village Six, the Capri, and the usually vacant Airport Twin. Those gigs covered his beloved Big Macs and gas for the AMC Pacer he inherited from Aunt Flora after emphysema finally caught up to her. But mostly... They provided him advanced paid screenings of all the biggest releases. The year was 1975, and that past June ignited the summer of Jaws. Larry was the absolute first of Mobile cinephiles to experience Spielberg's masterpiece of beach horror, and he didn't let anyone forget it. December brought extra work photographing every brat from Pascagoula to Pensacola pissing on Santa's knee inside Gafer's department store, not far from his assorted projectionist jobs. Larry survived the crying, the complaining, the rampant laugh track laughing around him with the highbrow pondering of the stark psychiatric realities visited upon moviegoers by One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, released only a couple of weeks earlier and already confounding the general public. During the slow hours late each evening, he sometimes debated the accuracy of the film's depiction of insane asylums with the Santa actors who worked those last shifts. And that's how he found himself sitting on the curb by the dumpsters behind Gafers, waiting to be picked up by one of those Santas. This one, he didn't know his real name so he just called him Nick, vouched for the Cuckoo's Nest portrayal based on his own days of treatment at Searcy State Psychiatric Hospital about an hour north of the city in Mount Vernon. Nick said the nurses and the orderlies were often naughty, but he chalked that up to the stress of dealing with all the misfit toys that they were charged to fix up. The guy really talked the Santa talk, but he also offered Larry a hundred bucks to shoot some promotional video for his portrayal of old St. Nick, so the man's mental health issues were his own business and quickly forgotten. The smell of roasted cashews drifted from the nearby rear entrance to the store. Larry checked his convoluted work schedule in the chicken scratch pocket notepad that lived with the super comb in his back pocket. His head was topped with stringy, dirty blonde waves beneath the trademark oversized bowler he wore since the day after his projectionist mentor, Freddie, set up those bootleg reels holding a clockwork orange. A bit of the old ultraviolence. Yeah, Mr. Kubrick had no concept of the deviance that he unleashed on young minds with that bit of film. Those sorts of notions kept Larry's brain sparking. He cherished them. The sputtering grind of an old and trying engine pulled him from his smiling remembrance of Malcolm McDowell's perfect turn as Alex. The swelling noise revealed itself with unexpected delay, drawing Larry off the curb to scan for it. Rolling reluctantly his way from the right was a retired Divco milk delivery truck, its windowless side panels hand-painted candy apple red to leave the snub-nosed hood and fenders white. At its wheel sat Nick, authentic cotton-white beard spilling even onto the horn and belly beneath it. 
Larry waited for the rig to strain to a stop and trotted around to the passenger door, but there was no seat on his side. Nick threw a leather glove thumb toward the back. "'Got a copper squat in the back with the reindeer, Lair,' said the old man, grinning through banana-yellow teeth and still in full Santa get-up. His eyebrows were too shaggy, and his breath was rot on the wind, even a few feet distant. Ooh, those poor kids today.' Nonetheless, Larry stepped in and glanced to the fingered cargo hold. It was a mobile apartment full of everybody else's refuse. A torn and battered lazy boy reclined beside a dirty twin mattress flatter than the earth of the dark ages. An extra Santa suit slumped dead on a mannequin torso fallen against the left wall, and a leaking igloo cooler topped with a lighter-powered hot plate comprised the kitchenette amongst the scattered garbage. Something didn't sit right here. But a hundred bucks is a hundred bucks, right? Larry dropped loudly into the recliner with an intentionally nonchalant, Where are we headed? The North Pole! Nick laughed with no ho-ho-ho, but every word scented then in halitosis. The Santa shtick was for real with this guy, but not real funny. From his repose vantage point behind the driver's seat, Larry couldn't see where they were going. He crossed his legs and grabbed a crumpled mobile register stuffed between the sticky leather seat and arm, and he caught up on the latest marijuana bust, shooting deaths and kidnappings. There were plenty of each to occupy him the entire trip. The engine was too loud to talk over anyway. The North Pole, Nick laughed with no ho-ho-ho, but every word scented then in halitosis. The Santa shtick was for real with this guy but not real funny. From his repose vantage point behind the driver's seat, Larry couldn't see where they were going, so he crossed his legs, grabbed the crumpled mobile register stuffed between sticky leather seat and arm, and caught up on the latest marijuana bust, shooting deaths, and kidnappings. There were plenty of each to occupy him during the trip. The engine was too loud to talk over anyway. The scenario so disrupted his perspective that Larry lost all track of time and place on the drive, and he was a little startled when the truck engine shut off and interrupted an article on a missing nine-year-old from Grand Bay, replaced in his bed with a crude wooden marionette. The grainy gray picture revealed an effigy more akin to the petrified and mangled corpse of Hermie, the wannabe dentist elf from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. To Larry, the story conjured images of the savage Zuni fetish doll from Trilogy of Terror, released on TV earlier that year, but that monstrous critter lurked in memory for just about everybody in those days. It was hard to escape. By the time Larry stirred from the true crime la-la land in his head, Nick was over him, arms and smile spread wide. "'Welcome to Santa's kingdom!' he bellowed, navigating the junk to the rear doors, and he threw them open wide into the dark. Larry popped up and followed, wondering suddenly where in the hell he was. "'So we're shooting like a promo spot for your Santa gig?' Larry asked into the void outside of the truck. "'My boy, tonight we create a new Christmas classic for the ages,' returned the disembodied voice." A squeak and a click later, and rows of fluorescent lights royal to life across the musty old warehouse that passed as the North Pole. The place was utterly empty, obviously more garage than filming studio. Nick was already at a roll-up loading door across the cavern, but he held a bulging red velvet sack over his left shoulder then. Of course he did. 
It's all in here, chuckled the jolly old weirdo, and he flung the door open with a flourish worthy of the bustiest of models from The Price is Right. The stuttering green light that escaped was chased instantaneously by a music unrecognizable but absolutely of pop radio Christmas. The ever-present bells tinkling beneath piano high notes, but at a tempo so much slower than jingle bells or winter wonderland. The effect was somehow both eerie and festive. For a moment, Larry was certain the song was a mashup of two or three separate standards mixed and matched for speed and composition to craft that one disconcerting holiday dirge, but he couldn't be sure. His musical expertise extended no further than appreciation of Sabbath and Floyd, and what he heard had no elements of these titans. Nick slipped into the waiting Christmas room during that amateur acoustic analysis with a trailing Ho, ho, ho. The low register call wove into the music to sound an echoed warning that put Larry's hair on end. What the hell was he walking into? His forebrain flashed dancing dollar signs onto his retinas in answer to that question, and he helplessly stalked them over the threshold into Santa's kingdom. Hey, Nick, Larry called into the psychedelic holiday hell within, but there was no sign of the man. Larry stepped into the partitioned, under-construction hallway that led inside, privy there only to the flashing green-red light show above giant hanging snowflakes and globe ornaments. The maze led around the periphery of the room, past one corner and halfway to another before dog-legging left to open into a yuletide diorama undreamt even by the ghost of Walt Disney himself. The scene was a combined exhibit of the Gafer Santa photo backdrops for the last five years, and Larry knew every single one of them from the infinite number of minutes he spent staring at them through a camera lens. Five-foot square, foil-wrapped gift boxes stacked catty-corner and some toppled over in haphazard authenticity. A forest of towering, peeling candy canes. Malfunctioning animatronic reindeer in various advanced stages of Parkinson tremor and mechanical rigor mortis. Around the periphery, a druidic semicircle of faux Douglas firs, a selection of Christmas trees in clashing styles and heights. And at rear center of that Christmas chaos rose a three-foot dais with steps leading to Santa's throne where waited a posturing, beaming Nick above a set of six glassy-eyed, fake-smiling children in badly-sewn elf costumes. They sat motionless two per step beneath him, enough space between each pair for him to come and go. Between Larry and that disturbing court laid what he instantly recognized as a brand-new Sony DXC1600 video camera resembling a security camera movie prop stacked on the hilt of a hairdryer, that baby was handheld in color glory. The AV alumni would know jealousy of legendary proportions when they heard he recorded with one. Merry Christmas, Larry! boomed Nick, and the skinny boy nearest to him, maybe age eight, flinched a little. Go on, pick it up, Nick continued. Let's get started! We're ready to roll, right, my naughty ones? Those ankle biters came to attention then, eyes forced wide and arms so taut they shook in resistance. Right, Santa, they barked in unison before assembling side by side at the bottom of the dais in a sadly choreographed leap and spin routine. 
Larry scanned the DXC-1600 to get a sense of the controls. Cake. The shot centered up easily in the viewfinder. Neither Nick nor the kids adjusted their pose one damn iota in the meantime. So weird. Spit spilled around his tongue, enough to trigger a conspicuous swallow reflex. A pair of awkward moments passed before he figured out what to say. A action he stumbled. And with that prompt, Nick polymorphed into a thing with the skin of Santa Claus, but the voice of the Marquis de Sade, a name Larry knew only because it was on the cover of a book, 120 Days of Sodom, adapted into a French torture porn film infamously screened at the Paris Film Festival just a month earlier. He read about it in Variety. Yeah, he kept a subscription. Ho, 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 yelled Nick navigating a crooked step down the dais with each utterance. He wrapped a long arm around all three stiffening kids on either side, hugging them reluctantly to him. Come into Santa's workshop! Gross. A few steps closer and refocused from Larry, and the frame put the kids comfortably out of the shot. Nick noticed and did not like it. He advanced aggressively on the camera, eyes smoldering. I made my list, he growled, and pulled a prop scroll from within his fur-lined coat. I checked it twice. The scroll unrolled into a streamer tossed over Nick's shoulder, and he leaned in deliberately and nose first. I found out who's naughty and who's nice. He whispered viciously into the camera mic, only his burning eyes and the bridge of his nose visible to Larry before he ran backward up the dais steps without losing his gaze into the lens. A winning smile flipped his scowl with equal agility. I made my list, he growled, and pulled a prop scroll from within his fur-lined red coat. I checked it twice. The scroll unrolled into a streamer tossed over Nick's shoulder and he leaned in. The scroll unrolled into a streamer tossed over Nick's shoulder and then he leaned in deliberately and nose first. I found out who's naughty and who's nice, he whispered viciously into the camera mic. Only his burning eyes and the bridge of his nose were visible to Larry before he ran backward up the dais steps without losing his gaze into the lens. A winning smile flipped his scowl with equal agility. And nobody's nice, he half screamed into the camera. Not Benji, Nick announced, and he lifted an uncertain boy like a crane from the floor and into his lap. He jabbed a finger at his wet brown eyes. Benji asked me for a new little brother, because he doesn't like the one he's got. Now that's naughty. Tell him why, Benji. The little boy of maybe seven years dropped from Nick's lap to the top step of the dais, eyes to the floor, and launched into a tap dance routine that was more kicking rocks tiny and invisible. Dumbfounding, and then a little scared, Larry zoomed into Benji's act. Hands clasped behind his back, the kid mumble sang, I asked Santa for a new baby. He said, okay, maybe, but if you kill the one you've got, so I took Daddy's gun and Baby got shot. Benji pantomimed a finger pistol with that line, and Larry pulled his dilated eye from the viewfinder. Ho, 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 Nick laughed. See, kids? Naughty gets you into Santa's workshop. 
and learning nice gets you out. Larry stood at full height, video camera still rolling on the scene, but stationary in the thick distaste that paralyzed his hands and eyes. But Nick did not slow down. The mad Santa pushed Benji to sit at one foot, then picked an older girl with empty eyes and adorable afro puffs to fill his lap. Carla asked Santa for a new heart for her granny. Sick in the hospital, Nick said. How nice! But naughty to replace the heart that loved her with one so cold and blank. She wrote a Christmas poem about it just for you. Carla cleared her throat as though to sing the national anthem at the World Series, and she stared at the hanging holiday clutter above. She recited, Granny's heart it attacked. I just wanted her back. So ask Santa for a ticker. He said to stop it's quicker, but to change it is obscene. So I snuck in her room and unplugged her machines. Whoa! Whether they really killed babies and old ladies or not, these kids evoke serious Village of the Damned vibes. Larry saw that 1960 horror classic after a midnight screening of the Rocky Horror Picture Show that same fall, and it was like those emotionless little slayers were arranged right here before him. Without waiting for the next murder skit, he decided to take a stand, stopped recording, and deposited the camera on the floor. This isn't right, Larry started. Do these kids' parents know where they are? I mean, do you have permission for them to be in this kind of show? Nick rose to standing on his throne and collected himself. Benji and Carla scootered back to the floor below the dais. The children's collective eyes all turned up to Larry, but Nick's shot lasers through him. Naughty children want to be nice, Larry, spat Nick. Their parents didn't raise them nice, but I will. In Santa's workshop, they'll learn the difference, and they'll bring nice to the rest of the world, one good deed at a time. This recording is proof of that. Larry scoffed. Killing helpless family members is nice. Even if it's not real, these kids don't need to hear or say this kind of stuff. Save it for the grindhouse and the grown-ups where it belongs, man. Nick threw back his head and guffawed. (laughs) Nice is appreciating what you've got. Not always wanting more. Greed has its cost, Lair. And you're looking very greedy and not very nice at all. Larry steeled himself. Since day one, he avoided doing, well, anything real. No degree, no career, no relationship. But in that moment, he held opportunity in his grasp. Opportunity to be Roy Scheider in Jaws or Cure Delay in 2001 A Space Odyssey. Opportunity to do something. Fist clenched at his waist, and he stepped over the camera. A deep breath, and then he said it. Come on, kids. I'm taking you out of here. One at a time, each child lifted their eyes to him, hope brimming there. Nick kept his distance, bad arms akimbo. Larry avoided eye contact with the towering Santa and made a sweeping gesture with his right arm to usher the kids toward the hallway out of Nick's pilfered Christmas purgatory. They went single file and quietly, but with faces still trained on him in synchrony. Fearful, he moved to the front of their line to show them the way. Behind them, Nick taunted, You'd think taking them out of here will make you something you're not? Something better than you are? It just makes you naughty. And the children echoed his final word in cacophonous whispers. 
naughty, naughty, naughty. And then they chanted it in unison. Naughty, naughty, naughty. Larry's nerve broke and he bolted for the door. Before his grip could trigger the lock, Carla took hold of his wrist and dropped her full weight to pull him off balance. Benji leapt to his back and wrapped his arms over his eyes. Larry resisted gently to avoid hurting the little ones, but four more found purchase on his remaining limbs and trunk and dragged him to the floor. His chin hit hard, stunned him, and myriad miniature fingers like maggots found their way into his eyelids and ears and nares and lips. They ripped and tore to the repeated rhythm of naughty, naughty, until he hemorrhaged from every hole in his head, and his eyes and tongue and eardrums were gone. He saw nothing. He said nothing. He heard nothing. Bled into nothing. It all became nothing. And it was nice. You've been listening to Ain't No Such Thing, Santa's Workshop, written by Kevin Laporte, narrated and produced by Amanda Rachels. If you enjoyed this and you want to hear more of our original Southern horror, you know you got to subscribe, baby. We're on Apple Podcast, Google, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and other major podcasting platforms. We would so appreciate a five-star rating and a subscription. So that's all I want for Christmas. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but we hope to see you on our Facebook group as well. We're at facebook.com slash groups slash ain't no such thing. We're a pretty active little community of horror lovers. So if that's your thing, come join us. Take care, y'all. And I'm going to be back with another one for you real soon. All characters, content, and situations. Copyright Inverse Press. 2019. All rights reserved.